through and start a series on biblical prophecy now several weeks ago. And we've been leading up and we started out and we saw in the book of Daniel, we saw kind of the, the scale, the time scale and the time frame of everything and how there's one week, seven year period left in Daniel's 70 week prophecy that was made. And that's going to be the tribulation time. We looked at that, got a timeline set up and we looked at the next event that will take place is the rapture. That's the next thing to take place. The trump of God will sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And what a day that's going to be. During that time, when we get taken up to be with the Lord, there's going to be a seven-year tribulation period here. The past two weeks, we've talked about all, most of the events that take place here on earth during those seven years. If you haven't been here, you can go on our website. They're all right there, and you can hear those. And so while the seven years are taking place here on earth, and the tribulation is unfolding, there are two events that take place in heaven that we get to be a part of before the Lord's second coming and before the millennial reign of Christ. And so this week, we're going to look at the first one, the judgment seat of Christ. And then the following week, we're going to look at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so when we look at this and we study it out, you know, a lot of people, the judgment seat of Christ we think about how, praise God, we're saved. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. But sometimes I also think we get a false sense of what the judgment seat of Christ is going to be like. And someday we are going to give an account for what we do with what God's given to us. And I believe that not everybody is going to be very happy when we give an account before God. And I don't think God's going to be super happy with all of us thing that we got to remember is this our salvation is not based on what we do our salvation is secure it's settled it's set it is just the way it's going to be but we talked about and we saw on sunday as we were talking about living for the lord and doing things we saw how in the book of revelation the four and twenty elders fell down before him and cast their crowns before his feet and the judgment seat of christ is where we're going to get rewarded for the things we do for Christ. But there's a process to it. I want to talk about that tonight. A lot of people say, you know, we're with the Lord, everything, and everything I believe, praise God, we're with Him. The judgment seat of Christ is where I want to be. I don't want to be a part of the great white throne judgment. In the book of Revelation, chapter number 20, that's not where I'd want to be. I want to be here at this. There are going to be a lot of Christians that God's given a lot of abilities and talents and time that have wasted what God's given to them. And God is going to not be thrilled with everything. We don't like to talk about that, but you will give an account of yourself to God someday. I will give an account to God someday. I'm going to give an account to God for the pastor I am of this church and what I do. We're all going to stand before him. That day is going to come. And I want to look at these verses tonight, and we're going to see some things, and we'll dive into the scriptures and see where we get tonight. We see 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look down at verse number 10. The Bible says, According to the grace of God which is given among me, as a wise master builder I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man that take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than it, that is laid, which is, this, which is Christ Jesus. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, 
for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. We could also go, I want you to look with me, do you have Second Corinthians 5.10? Bible tells us 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The Bible also tells us in Romans chapter 14, verse 10 through 12, But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now, the book of Romans was written to Christians. Every Christian will stand before God and give an account for what they do in this life with what God's given to them. Not everyone likes to think about that. Some people think you can live your life and do as you please and whatever happens. But I want you to understand something. God gives all of us an amount of time. We're to be stewards of the time that God gives us. God gives us talents. We're supposed to take those talents that God's given us and use them for His glory. We are created for His glory. And someday we'll stand before Him and later on, when we're in heaven, there'll be a time where we take our crowns that have been given to us, our rewards, and we'll cast them at his feet. And we're going to look at those crowns tonight, what they are. We're going to look at how our works get tried by fire, the Bible says here. And we'll see how all these things play together and talk about the judgment seat of Christ. Father, I pray you bless the next few minutes tonight. Thank you for loving us and being who you are. I know when we think about the scriptures and we read them, I'm so thankful that I'm not going to be a part of the tribulation that's here on earth, those seven years. But I also think about standing before you and seeing those nail-pierced hands and knowing all that you've done for me and realizing how far I fall short. My goal and my desire is to have a lot of crowns when I get to heaven, not so I can go around bragging about it, but so that I have something to give you because you're worthy of it. Father, help us tonight as we study this passage of Scripture to see some things. And I, want, and I pray that as we look at this tonight, that we would do our best to live for you. I want to hear that well done, thou good and faithful servant. Father, bless the time that we have. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. And we need you in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I challenge you over the next few minutes tonight as we look at this passage of Scripture and as we break down the judgment seat of Christ that you would let the Lord speak to you tonight. I want you to be ready when that day arrives. This passage reveals three aspects in our text in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. It reveals three areas, three aspects of that great day that we need to notice this evening. Number one, as we dive in, we see that day will be a day of intimate discoveries. 
Paul describes here in these verses the Christian life as a building. He tells us that there's a foundation. That foundation that is laid is Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. And if you're not built on the rock, your house will not stand. I think we know that. And there's the kid's song, the wise man built his house upon the rock. You know that song? And the foolish man built his house upon the sand. You know, and the rains came down and the floods came up. And the man, the wise man that built his house on the rock, it stood firm. The foolish man that built his house on the sand, as the rains came down, the floods came up, it went smash. And the last verse of the song is, so build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's that foundation. Bible talks about that right there. For verse number 11, for other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We see as we're looking at this here, verse number 11 lets us know that this judgment seat or this thing that's coming is for believers. It says if you aren't building, if you aren't building your foundation from the, your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will not be at the judgment seat of Christ. That's how it's going to work. And what will happen is you'll either be dead in your sins already, in hell, waiting for the great white throne judgment, or you'll be in the tribulation either way. What I want you to see is I want you to see several things tonight as we talk about the judgment seat of Christ, and we talk about a day of intimate discoveries, there are some things that will be discovered about us that day. Letter A, our methods will be discovered. We look at verse number 10, and, uh, and it says here, according to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Paul tells us the how we build on the foundation will pass under a microscope of God in that day. How did we build? The way that we do it, our methods behind it. You think about it this way. When Jesus saved your soul, he placed you and I on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And since the very moment you and I were saved, you have been building a life. This life can either bring glory to God or it can be used as a thing of disgrace before the Lord. And when we stand before God someday, at the, when we stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, we will see and right there we'll have to answer for how we build our lives upon the foundation that we've been given. Now as we dive in and as we see these things, the Bible mentions a few times the judgment seat of Christ. And in that day, in Paul's day, in every city, there was a place called the Bema, or judgment seat. It was a raised platform, usually in the center of town, that announcements were made from, and judgments rendered, and, cond and people were um, commended, commendations were handed out. When there were awards or the, um, the Greek games, it was at the Bema seat that these rewards would be given out. And all the public came from this, to see this Bema seat. So when we think of this place, it was not only a place of judgment where pronouncement of judgment, it could be a bad thing, but it was also a place of rewards would be given out. Depending on how you did in those games and different things like that, and so that's how Christ's judgment seat, his bema seat, that's literally what it means, is going to be like. 
Now, when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, a couple of things I want you to remember tonight as we go through here. There are two things that will not be addressed at the judgment seat of Christ. Number one is salvation. Salvation was taken care of when Jesus Christ died on the cross. And when we trusted Christ as our Savior, nothing can ever change the state of your soul. If a person is saved, then they're saved forever. We talked about on Sunday morning how he hath made us to sit in heavenly places. We're already sitting there. It's settled, we're secure, it's taken care of, and salvation will not be dealt with at the judgment seat because salvation's already taken place. And then the other thing that will not be taken place at the judgment seat of Christ is sin. Because sin was taken care of at Calvary when Jesus died on the cross. When he cried out, it is finished, he died once for all as our sacrifice. And when we put our, our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, all that is put away and forever taken care of. And that's a wonderful thing to think about. But what will be dealt with at the judgment seat of Christ is the manner in which we live this life. From the moment of our salvation until the day we die or we're raptured. It'll be about how we used the responsibilities, the privileges, the opportunities that were given to us by Jesus Christ through this life. I think the best thing that we can remember as people of God tonight is that the Bible calls us stewards. That is, we are the servants of God. He's placed in our hands His ministry to the world. To accomplish that ministry that God's given us, He's given us several things. Guess what? He's given us 24 hours in every day. He's given you enough time to do what He's called you to do. He's given us the money that we need. He's blessed us with gifts and abilities to use for His glory. He has given us opportunities to serve Him and for service. And our Master, our Lord, Jesus, has entrusted us with His business and will require that every steward of His give an account of the service unto him and what they did with what he's given them when he returns. The Bible tells us that we're stewards of God. Do we have 1 Peter 4.10? The Bible says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one toward another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It also says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We will answer for the lives we live in this world. I think we understand that. The judgment seat of Christ is not going to be that Jesus is going to decide if you get into heaven by what you've done. That's not the judgment seat of Christ. That's forever been taken care of. But we'll see what we did with what Christ had given to us. We see, letter A, that our methods will be discovered. Letter B, our materials will be discovered. Look at verse number 12. It says, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, 
there's different things mentioned here. Now we know, we see that um, verse number 13, it says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. Now there are some materials mentioned in verse number 12 that if you put fire to those, they're going to burn up. If you put fire to hay, what's going to happen? It's gone. If you put it to wood, what happens? It burns up. And so the materials will be discovered. This verse tells us there's two possible categories of which we can build our spiritual house. Number one, there are worthy materials. Gold, silver, precious stones. They're valuable, they're precious, they're hard to come by. And these are also things that will survive the fire. You see, this pictures the kind of works that the Lord will bless in that day and the kind of works that every believer needs in their life. So we see here that our materials will be discovered. There are worthy materials, gold, silver, precious stones. Then number two, there are worthless materials. Wood, hay, stubble. Those refer to things that are temporary, cheap, easy to come by. This would speak of things done outside the will of God or things that are done out of a mean spirit or things that are done out of selfishness. They differ from the other material in that each of these is immediately destroyed by flames. And these things are the things that a Christian should not be building their spiritual house upon. So we've we got to understand something. Our spiritual house, there's a foundation. That foundation is Jesus Christ. What we should be building on that foundation should be out of materials of gold, silver, precious stones. Because when they get tried by fire, they're going to last. And we'll talk more about this in a few minutes. There are other materials that could be used. You could use wood, hay, and stubble and build your spiritual house. But when it gets tried by fire, when our works are manifested and tried by fire, they won't last. The one built with the material, the worthy material, will last. There'll be something left over where if you're building your spiritual house on wood, hay, and stubble, there'll be nothing left over. How do you determine the difference between these, between works that will burn and works that will endure the flames of judgment? There's, it's loaded. I give you a lot of things, and I'm going to give you a lot. I did not give you anything in your notes on these things. If you want to write some of these down, you can. I'm going to give you a bunch of references to put with them if you want as well. But how we treat others. Hebrews 6.10, Matthew 10.41-42. How we treat others, God will look at. God will look at how we exercise authority over others. The Bible says, obey them, they have the rule over you, but they're going to give an account to God based on that. We're going to be judged by how we use our God-given abilities. In 1 Corinthians 12.4, or 1 Corinthians 12.11, and 1 Peter 4.10. 
will be judged on how we use our treasure or our money for the Lord. There are a lot of people that do not give to God like they should. The Bible's big. God loves a cheerful giver. Where your tre- for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Big stuff. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. How about how we spend our time? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. I hear a lot of people, I just don't have enough time to do everything I need to do. God's given us all the time we need to do everything that we need to accomplish for Him. Now there are days I sit in my office and I'm like, I don't have enough time to do everything I need to do. But literally, He's given us all the time we need. How about how we run the course that He's given us? How we effectively control the old nature? How we witness? How we react to temptation? in our lives? How much we love the coming of the Lord? How faithful we are to the Word of God and to the flock of God? That would be a pastor there. And there's a lot more that we get into. and I might, I might have these written out for you next week and give you all the verses with them so you can see them. We see letter B that our materials will be discovered. Letter C, our ministry will be discovered. Verse 13 tells us that every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's works of what sort it is. Verse 13 lets us know that all our works will be put to the fire. All you do for Jesus Christ in this life will be tried by God. So well, what do you mean? Why is that going to happen? You see, the Lord will apply fire to it to see the things that we did in this life, and they'll be made manifest. The word manifest there means to be made known public. Each of us don't know the motives behind the other person sitting in the room next to us tonight. Why do you serve God? Do you do it so that people will look at you and be like, wow, look at them and how they serve God? Do you do it? What's your motive behind what you do? If our motives are selfish in nature or trying to build self up, you and I don't know that tonight. Like, you don't know my motives as your pastor. You might think you do, but you don't know for sure. But in that day, when we stand before God, it's going to be made known what our motives were. Did you do this because you love me and wanted to please me? Or are you doing this to build your own kingdom? What's the reason behind it? Did you sing those great songs because you were just wanting people to look and applaud you? Or are you singing so you could praise your God? The motive behind it. And We don't know, honestly, each other's motives behind what we do. I would hope that we do what we do to please God. We do it because we love Him and we want Him to receive the glory. 
those works that are done in love for Him and that are done to glorify Him, when they get tried by fire, they will last. The works that are done selfishly on our part or done for some other purpose than the Lord, when they get tried by fire, they're going to burn up and be gone. That's what it's talking about right here. In other words, the cat will be out of the bag when we stand before Jesus and face him in judgment. So you might be doing what you do today, trying to promote yourself. And let's be honest. I wish I could say everything that I do in ministry, I do to please God. That is my ultimate goal, for him to get the glory. But you know when you do certain things, you would love for men's praise at you, all of us, in a certain degree. It's wrong. He deserves all the praise. He deserves all the glory. And what we do, we do for him because we love him. And as Paul says, the love of Christ, it constrains me. Why do you go soul winning? Let me ask you a better question. Why don't you go soul winning? Why do you give? Or let's ask another one. Why don't you give? Why do you read your Bible? Why don't you read your Bible? Why do you pray? Why don't you pray? That's what I'm talking about tonight. It'll be a day of intimate discoveries. Number two, it'll be a day of intense delights. Well, many things at the judgment seat of Christ will not be pleasant for every Christian. Not everything will be bad. In fact, for many, the judgment seat of Christ will be the moment when all their trials are made worthwhile. It'll be a crowning moment. We see letter A underneath this day of intense delights. Letter A, we see a potential is mentioned. We see in verse 14, it says, If any man's works abide, which he hath builded thereupon, he shall receive a reward. The first part of that verse tells us that there's the potential that some of our works will remain after they've been put to the fire. And wouldn't it be wonderful, and wouldn't it be great, and I hope that's the case, that when my works get tried before God, that there's something left to give Jesus. This life would be in vain if there's nothing to give Jesus at that time. And I, I think about this often. I study through this passage, and we got to make sure that what we do, we do it for Christ. His glory, His honor. But we see that there is the potential. And then letter B, we see a promise is mentioned. The Bible says at the end of verse 14 there, it says, um, if any man's work abide which he hath builded thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Those things which remain will be the basis for rewards. And Jesus will honor us by giving us rewards for the things we do for him. 
That's almost beyond belief because he shouldn't be rewarding us for anything. He's given us everything that we have. There are some crowns that are mentioned throughout the Bible. And there's an incorruptible crown. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9.25, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they that do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible an incorruptible crown that's awarded for faithfulness to God. Hey, church, are you faithful to God? Do you, are you faithful to Him? The Bible talks about a faithful man who can find. He's faithful to us. Every morning, His mercies are new. Great is His faithfulness. Are we faithful to Him? There's the incorruptible crown number two, there's the crown of life. Crown of life, it mentions in James 1.12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. The crown of life is the crown for the person who endures and overcomes temptation. There are two types of crowns that are mentioned so far. There's the crown of rejoicing. The Bible talks about in 1 Thessalonians 2.19, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in your presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? That's a soul winner's crown. Do you witness for the Lord? Are you a faithful witness? Soul, a crown of rejoicing. There's the crown of Righteousness. That those who anticipate and live in light of the return of Jesus. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, at the judgment seat of Christ. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Are you anticipating his return? Do you love the thought that he... There's lots that goes into that there. There's also the crown of glory. And it's to faithful ministers who give themselves to lead and feed God's flock. 1 Peter 5, 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory, which fadeth not away. And people have different opinions on that. And I don't, I don't like getting into opinions and all those different things, because opinions are basically everybody has them and most people's opinions are not right anyways and too many people give their opinion on things and I could go on and on with that. But some people say that this is only a crown that a pastor could receive. But I also, if you read those verses very carefully, I think if you are a uh, Sunday school teacher faithfully teaching a group the Word of God, I can see it totally applying there. I can see it applying in several different ways. And you can choose for yourself where you, that draws that. Five crowns that we've mentioned. And we need to understand that every deed done in the name of Jesus will be blessed and rewarded over there. I want you to understand, men might not understand your service to God tonight. But rest assured, Jesus takes perfect note of it. That's why the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And you might look and you might see and you might think, well, no one notices what I do. 
It's not for people to notice. But I'll tell you something. People might not notice it, but Jesus notices it. And it's not in vain. It's not. It's not in vain to serve Jesus. Oh, how we need to live for him, how we need to serve him. And what God will do is, our foundation is Jesus Christ, and we're all building a spiritual house. God will apply fire of his judgment to our works. And those that are done for him and his glory will pass the test and will be rewarded for it. And that's where the book of Revelation chapter 4 talks about in verse number 9 through 11. The Bible tells us there, and when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sound the throne who liveth forever and ever. Verse number 10, the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. Now look at what happens right here. And cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Those elders that are mentioned there represent us. And we are going to take our crowns. So our spiritual house that we're building, we're either building it with good material or bad material. Either way, it's going to get tried by fire. If it's been being made with bad material, there's going to be nothing there. If it's, if it's being built out of the right material, there'll be something there and there'll be a reward given, a crown given. And the rewards we get in heaven will be so we can take them and put, him at, put them at his feet and tell him he's worthy. Now, I don't know about you tonight, but after all he's done, I would hate to stand in heaven someday and see all these people casting their crowns before his throne and before him and have nothing in my hands to give. But when you live a selfish life, and your life is all about you and how you do things, you're not going to have very much to give him. That's why you need to check your motives and check why you do what you do. We see, number one, we see it's a day of intimate discoveries. Number two, we see it's a day of intense delights. Then number three, and lastly, it's a day of immense disappointments. Now, this is where I'm going to give you some Brianology for a minute, okay? And this is Bible, but a lot of people, we get to be with the Lord, and everything is perfect, and there's going to be no more crying, no more tears, no more any of those things. Do you realize the Bible does not say anything about God wiping away our tears till the great white throne judgment is done in Revelation chapter 21? This happens well before that. I do believe that there will be disappointment and there will be tears by Christians when they stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm a firm believer in it. And if you differ and you want to say differently, look at how the Bible sets it up. I think it's pretty clear. And God will wipe all tears from their eyes. That comes after everything is done. Letter A, we see underneath a day of immense disappointments, letter A, we see the pain that's mentioned. And while some of our works will remain, other works will be destroyed before our eyes. And that will be a painful time for believers. There will be many tears shed right there. But I'm glad that Jesus will wipe our tears away 
but there will be tears during this time. We see the pain that is mentioned. We see letter B, the price that is mentioned. But this is, you look at this, if a man's work shall be burned, he shall, look at what it says right here, he shall suffer loss. That means the believer will lose the reward he could have earned has life been what it should be. That's what that means right there. Some would teach that, e- that even earned rewards would be lost too, but the Bible does not give you a clear answer on that, so don't take and try and stretch what the Bible says. Just take the Bible at face value and leave it alone. And I don't see God being a just God taking away, away the rewards we earn, but I do see him not letting us have the rewards we have, don't deserve. What I want you to understand is this. We need to live for him, be faithful to him. Not so we can parade around heaven and say, look at all these crowns I got. That's not what it's about. It's about being able to give them back to him. He deserves it. That's why we should be living our lives. Do all that you do. Was it 1 Corinthians 10, 31? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That should be our motto. That should be what we do. Then we'll have crowns to lay at his feet, adding even more glory to him. And let her see. We see the promise that's mentioned in verse number 15. The Bible says, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. You see that right there? Notice once again, the believer who may see his works burned will still be saved. Because your salvation is not based on your works. It's based on the finished work of what Jesus did for us at Calvary. And all those who doubt their salvation on works-based salvation, here's another pure, plain example before us. Yes, your works will be burned up, but you'll still be saved. It doesn't change that. And I can't stress it enough that this judgment seat of Christ has nothing to do about our salvation. I think Sunday mornings we're understanding, and in the book of Ephesians, salvation is all about Christ and what he did. We put our faith and trust in him. That's all we do. He did everything. When God looks at us, he sees his righteousness. It's all about what Christ did for us. And if you're saved despite your best efforts, there'll be times when you will serve the Lord. And if you are saved, there'll be times where you don't do it for the right motive. But what I want you to understand tonight is nothing can change the fact that you're saved. And praise God for that. Couple of things as we close here tonight. Two thoughts. There are two things that are very important. The first one, it's a Wednesday night, and I know most of you are, I think all of you are Christians in the room tonight. But I stress that, but I also know that Jesus had 12, and one of them had the devil in him. And if the perfect leader could have one that wasn't saved, <laughs> We, we could have a lot not saved in this room, and we'll just leave it at that. Two thoughts, though. Two things you don't want. Number one, you don't want a faulty foundation. And there is no foundation that is sure except a foundation on Jesus Christ. If your foundation is built upon good works or built upon anything but Jesus Christ, your foundation is faulty tonight. 
and that foundation will not get you. You will not be at the judgment seat of Christ if you have the wrong foundation. So two things you don't want. First, you don't want a faulty foundation. Number two, and lastly tonight, you have the right foundation of Jesus Christ. You don't want faulty material that you're building your spiritual house upon. Think to yourself tonight. Not everyone knows all the deep, dark secrets about you or why you do what you do or anything else. But if Jesus came tonight, and he could, he could, and if he wants to, I'm ready for him to come. I'm ready. What a day that's going to be, and I can't wait for that day. He could come, I, you know, the, the older you get, and I'm only 34, I know I'm still young. As a kid, I kind of wanted him to wait just a little bit to come. But I've gotten to the point for the past several years, no, come right now. This world's so bad and everything else around us, just come right now. I am ready. My bags are packed at the door, and I'm ready to go. Take me now. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for that time. How wonderful it's going to be. But if Jesus came tonight, and he looked at your life, Sees your foundation is right because if he came tonight and you're there, your foundation's right. That's good. And he looks at your spiritual house that you've built. And he sees all these works. Says, all right, Brian, or whoever you might be in the room tonight, I'm going to put some fire to your house. Would you have anything left? Are you living for self or are you living for Jesus? That's what it comes down to. And they're going to be, even if, and I'm done, but even if, even if we lived a perfect life, it's not possible, but let's say we lived a perfect life and we received every reward possible. Jesus tried our spiritual house and man, that thing just shined bright in the middle of the fire, and everything was perfect on that house. And we were given a truckload of crowns. When we see him and all that he's done for us, even perfection by us to receive everything we could, we're still going to be there being like, man, I wish I'd given him more. That's not going to happen with any of us, though. We're not going to be perfect in it. Some of our works will burn up. There will be many Christians that are going to have way more burned up than what they have. And we're going to regret the life that we live. We have one life to live. You can't redo yesterday, and you can't redo what's happened today. You can start tomorrow. You can start tonight by doing what you're supposed to do and start building that house right. You might need to get rid of some of that wood and that hay and stubble that you got in your spiritual house and get some gold, precious stones and silver so that when it's tried by fire, it stands and it lasts. Because each and every one of us, the day's coming, we will stand before the Lord and we'll give an account to God for what we do with everything he's given to us. And may he find us faithful. What do you want to hear? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, there are parables 
that contrasts and talk about what's going to happen in the judgment seat. One man got ten talents, one got five, one got one. The one with the one talent buried his talent, and he was not, the Lord was not very happy with that one. The man that had two or five, whatever it was, he doubled it, and the one who had the next amount, he doubled what he had. We're all going to give an account. Are you ready for that day? And if not, Christian, start building right on the foundation that's been given to you. And let's build a strong spiritual house so that when we stand before him, we won't be so full of regret. We'll have something to give him for all he's given to us. And even in his mercy, if we have nothing to give him, he still loves us and still saves us. But what a shame to have nothing to give the one who's done everything for us. Father, we love you. We thank you.